Welcome to EM Guidewire, your guide to emergency medicine, brought to you by the residents and faculty from Carolina's Medical Center in Charlotte, North Carolina. Core Concepts of Emergency Medicine. Welcome to this week's Core Concepts brought to you by the EM Guidewire team from the Carolinas Medical Center EM Group. Today, we have me, Natalie Wood. Jeremy Driscoll. Drew Kitchen. Kyle Rotersheimer. And we're going to be talking to you today about some core concepts. Hey, Nat, are you excited about summer, sand, beach volleyball season, not to mention swimsuits? Yeah, but I got to shed that sub cue for that beach bod, you know? Well, I have an amazing breakthrough weight control strategy, and it's so easy, it just may work for you. Tell me more. It's called the hyperemesis gravitum diet, and you're not going to believe how easy it is. How do you do it? First, put a baby in you. Then, eat whatever you want. You'll vomit it all right back up and lose those pesky pounds. Wow, that's amazing. Hyperemesis gravitum diet, because it's not bulimia if there's a baby involved. Now, let's get on with the show. This week, we have the great opportunity to discuss hyperemesis gravidarum. Guys, welcome to EM Guidewire. So, outside of the medical field, pregnancy is such a happy topic. The mom is glowing, new life is being created, a bunch of strangers will try and touch your belly without permission. Inside the medical field, like with everything else, it's all about the complications. It's the patient's worst day. There's pain or bleeding or trauma, or they're just vomiting so much that it's interfering with their everyday life. Pregnancy sounds super fun, right? Sounds great. Well, that's what we're going to focus on today, hyperemesis gravidarum. It is what it sounds like, severe nausea and vomiting of pregnancy. Like any disease, this presents on a spectrum. There are women who have small amount of nausea and vomiting that doesn't interfere with life, those that are somewhere in the middle, and then the population that we typically will see in the emergency department, the severe patients. So how do these patients present? Nausea and vomiting in pregnancy is typically an early disease. These are patients are going to present in the first trimester, usually prior to nine weeks gestation. And the main complaint is nausea and vomiting, but not pain. Yeah, that's a key point. Hyperemesis gravidarum is really a diagnosis of exclusion. Don't turn off your brain. If the patient is having significant pain, more than abdominal discomfort that comes with retching, vomiting, you should be thinking about more. Hyperemesis does not typically have pain associated with it. The, the differential diagnosis for vomiting is so wide, so it's always important to get a good history and watch the patient for other symptoms that could lead you to a different diagnosis. Hyperemesis gravidarum only occurs in about 0.3 to 3% of pregnancies. It's the most common reason, though, that women are admitted to the hospital in the first trimester of pregnancy. So let's get back to basics. What causes this condition? So it isn't clearly known what causes the condition, but there are some theories. One is that the rising HCG, or estrogen, during the first trimester of pregnancy is the emetogenic stimulus, and women have different sensitivities to this. I think that my favorite theory is the evolutionary theory, that the nausea and vomiting developed as a way to protect the woman from potentially dangerous foods. Obviously, if the inverse is true, then pickles must be the superfood for the placenta. But it seems that the most support is for the hormone theory, because women who have increased placental mass, like with a molar gestation, or multiples, are at increased risk for hyperemesis. Regardless of theories, either way, thankfully there are a few long-term effects for mom and the fetus. Fetal outcomes are overall the same between moms that have hyperemesis and those that do not. But you can imagine that for the severe cases, even though not life-threatening, this condition can significantly affect the patient. So what are you going to try and focus on for physical exam in these patients? 
As always, I start with those all-important vital signs. That's a good place to start, Drew. So on physical exam, I'm most looking for signs of clinical dehydration while trying to rule out other etiologies if I suspect hyperemesis gravidarum. So questions I ask, is the patient tachycardic? Is their blood pressure borderline or low? Then I can't forget mucous membranes, even in adults. And skin exam, consistent with dehydration. And then I move on to the abdominal exam. Remember, these patients are in their first trimester. The uterus likely is not quite elevated out of the pelvic space yet. If you are able to palpate a uterus, think about possible multiple gestation or molar pregnancy. Man, Jeremy, I haven't thought about trying to palpate a fundus since those fun days on OB. A little closer for you, huh? (laughs) Also, if the patient's having significant pain, again, think of other etiologies. A pregnant woman is more than just a uterus, so consider other organ systems. So the patient's heart rate in front of me is 104 beats per minute. Their mucous membranes look a little dry. They have a completely benign abdomen, and they have been vomiting nonstop for a week and are starting to pee less often than usual. They've probably got this diagnosis. So then from there, what kind of workup should I be doing in the emergency department? So for labs, I definitely want a urinalysis and a chemistry. The UA can show if a patient is in ketosis. This will be one of the most important deciding factors. We can also evaluate for possible asymptomatic cystitis, and the chemistry can tell us if the patient is hypokalemic. It can also tell us if the creatinine is elevated or if there's other signs of dehydration. Also, these patients need a weight. One of the admission criteria for the patients is weight loss of greater than 10% of their pre-pregnancy weight. What do you do about imaging, though? If the patient doesn't have a confirmed IUP on ultrasound in the electronic medical record, they certainly need an ultrasound. But she told you she's pregnant, so why do you need an ultrasound? So what if you see a little snowstorm or a bunch of babies? It certainly would change the management of the patient. I mean, that makes sense. So now we have a confirmed IUP, our labs show a little hypokalemia, and the UA has some ketones. What's our next step? Well, we should probably treat the poor lady. So can we talk about medications? Because I've learned that there are really only a couple medications that actually have any evidence for treating hyperemesis, unlike most other vomiting we see in the ED. That's true. ACOG, or the American College of Obstetrics and Gynecology, has staged recommendations for these patients. First line for non-pharmacological treatment is to treat with ginger, approximately 250 milligrams capsules four times daily, and also acupressure, acupuncture, or electrical nerve stimulation at the P6 point. P6 point? What are you getting at with that? Come on, Jeremy. You don't know what the P6 point is? Obviously, it's the point located three finger breaths below the wrist on the inside of the wrist between the two tendons. Oh, I thought you were referring to the P5 point. Oh, yeah. It's P6. That's a common misconception. There are actually wristbands that have a mechanism for placing pressure at this point, so you can get pregnancy friendship bracelets. But really, the only treatment with good evidence is vitamin B6 or pyridoxine and dexalamine. This has been sold as a combination product, but is cheaper and just as effective with the two components. Vitamin B6 is 25 milligrams POQ8 hours, and the doxalamine is 12.5 milligrams POQ8 hours. Bedtime dose can be 25 milligrams. So 12.5 milligrams, 12.5 milligrams, and 25 milligrams at bedtime. If your patient isn't already on these medications and they are able to go home, in addition to antiemetics, these should be prescribed and are first line. So let's say the patient has been doing all the outpatient stuff. They're like, doctor, I'm still vomiting. What do I do? Now we can get in there and treat with some antiemetics, probably IV. In our case, the patient also likely needs fluids. A source of dextrose in the fluids is key and can help with ketosis. I think a lot of times I and my nurses hang the usual normal saline or just LR, but the next leader should really have D5 in it, either D5LR or D5NS. And then antiemetics. 
there isn't a clear winner, and the data is a little bit confusing and all over the place. But we are still using known antiemetics such as IV ondansetron, IV promethazine, and IV metacopramide. I have occasionally had patients that really turned around with these treatments. And I like that with ondansetron and promethazine that there's a non-oral option. ODT, ondansetron, and promethazine suppositories are available. That makes sense. They can go home with these medications. But what if these treatments don't work? Several rounds of these medications and the patient is still having vomiting. Well, Natalie, at that point, that elevates it to the level of an IPP. IPP? Inpatient problem. These patients are failing multiple rounds of antiemetics and need to be admitted. The worst cases likely require steroids, nasogastric feeding tubes, and potentially days of parental medications. So at this point, you've done your due diligence. It's time to call in the cavalry. One last thing, though, Drew. Replete that potassium. These patients will frequently have hypokalemia. Well, thanks, you guys, for those core concepts. Now we will be able to treat these pregnant patients and get them back out there for more unsolicited belly rubs. So let's review. Hyperemesis gravidum is severe nausea and vomiting during early pregnancy. Typically think of this starting prior to nine weeks gestational age. Another key point is that these patients will have nausea and vomiting, but typically do not have significant abdominal pain. The first-line treatment for this condition is vitamin B6 and doxalamine. Some women will respond to P6 acupressure or ginger pills. But the ones that fail outpatient treatment and come to the emergency department will need a chemistry and urinalysis to evaluate electrolytes and look for signs of starvation ketosis. As with all pregnant women seen in the ED, these women need a confirmed IUP if it hasn't already been documented yet. Again, this could be a molar pregnancy or a multiple gestation. And they will need treatment. Fluids with a source of glucose and antiemetics. There is no clear evidence regarding which to choose. Ondansetron, promethazine, and metoclopramide. Give them several rounds of fluids and antiemetics. Replete the potassium and then disposition per PO challenge. All right, thank you guys for joining. From the J. Lee Garvey Innovation Studios here in Charlotte, North Carolina, this is EM Guidewire. Thanks for listening to EM Guidewire. Go, be awesome today. Seems he out. Metoclopramide. 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 Say it like that. Oh, okay. Metoclopramide. On Dancitron, Promethazine, and Metoclopramide. <laughs> <laughs>